This is so nerve-wracking on my days. <laughs> Thank you, Tony, for that amazing you, introduction. Yeah. We're I'm very Thank fond you. of his teenage daughters. Very I don't fond. think we deserved all that, but anyways. Um, we're so happy to be here. Honestly, we were so nervous. We didn't know what we were going to talk about. And obviously, looking at people while we're recording, it's something new. But it's fun and fresh. You'll get through it. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, guys, do you want to say a quick introduction about yourselves, or should so, we just get straight into it? I think we can just be super brief. Hi, guys, I'm Deborah. <laughs> Hi, guys, I'm Benita. And I'm obviously Joella. So one thing before we start, guys, I really want to um, really shed light on the ladies before us and what they brought to the table. Yeah. I found it super, super interesting. I'd learned so many stuff by listening to that, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for shedding that experience and like how you're contributing more to resolving the prominent issues within your communities. It's something that we don't see a lot of. And even, even if we see it, we usually get it from a male perspective. We don't, and it's not as compassionate as like Lynn Moran said that it's more of like a compassion speech at the end of the day and nothing, there's no meaning behind it. And that's what I feel like when it comes to issues relating to us as 100%. young black women, mm-hmm. when it comes to let's be inclusive, let's be diverse, you go up and say the most woke, quote, quote unquote, and there's no action behind it or you see little action. And as a black person, you get very fatigued on middle-class white cis males telling you what's good for you and what type of programs we're introducing to um increased diversity and inclusion in that aspect and I was just like some tea was being spilled today <laughs> a lot of tea. <laughs> a lot of tea was spilled mm-hmm. today <laughs> so today our plan is even though we too experience the same fatigue that Lynn Rowan was mm-hmm. talking about we get tired of talking about the same issues all the time tired about explaining blackness and trying to mixed together this whole black Irish experience, but we said today we're going to shed some light. We're actually going to talk about it, and I just want to talk about, I feel like the new buzzword, especially in our community nowadays, is what is it to be black Black and Irish? Irish. Black and Irish, and like, I think a lot of it rose from a really sad and hurtful place too, Mm -hmm. because I never even heard anyone say black and Irish before George and Kencho last year before yeah. George Floyd. But when all that stuff started happening, all of a sudden it was like, oh, there's actually black people in Ireland? Oh my 100%. gosh, we didn't know that. <laughs> and it was just all of they a sudden exist. this like whole like recognition of, oh, tell us about your experience as a black and Irish person. I'm mm-hmm. like, whoa, black and Irish? Let's but start- I've spent 20 years like listening that I'm not Irish enough. So now all of a sudden I am and I have my own special term. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I feel like as a, it's it's fairly new because obviously before that that was light wasn't shed on that and I really want to hear your experiences what what is it to be black and Irish to you Benita and Deborah? I mean I'm at a point where I'm not really sure okay. because. <laughs> I feel like all this stuff just goes back so far of like trying so hard to fit in and to mm. assimilate and to, to be just like everybody else in your class and to be saying, you know, like, oh, I'm just as Irish as you. Yeah. I, I, I go home and I watch Ryan Tuberty on The Late Show like and, and all these things that you think are quintessentially Irish. Like, oh, yeah, my mom made bacon and cabbage last weekend. No, she didn't. <laughs> no, she didn't. But no, these girl, are the things bye. that we said to try and like 
penetrate into a space that really did not mm. include us. So now where it's like all of a sudden it's not only it's okay to be black and Irish, but it's cool to be black and Irish. Like you've got all these black and Irish icons, like people yeah. like Tolu McKay and Denise Shaila and Emma Debiri, like all these second generation immigrants who are like really doing their thing. It's like now all of a sudden there's a space for us, but I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, the space has been created, but do I even want to go into that space anymore? Like when you've been rejected. I think especially like with the trauma that just happened in primary school, I think especially for myself, it was just difficult because it's like, you know, when I go back, I'm originally from Zimbabwe. It's like, I don't really belong there, but I think the only thing that made me not Irish is my skin tone, you know? So I think that it's bittersweet. It's amazing that all this stuff that's happening, that like, People are being recognized for being black and Irish, especially with the organization Black and Irish. It's amazing what they do, but it's kind of difficult with the intentions if it's really like sincere. Like I feel like there's a lot of people that are capitalizing on the whole thing of black and Irish, a lot of brands that it's like, oh look, we're diverse. We have, you know, our one black, you know, social media influencer where it's like they haven't really taken the time to really, you know, educate themselves or really truly understand. So yeah. I feel like um black and Irish you know when I I moved here when I was 13 so I was like I'm pretty South African I'm pretty African and it was okay with me obviously it wasn't okay when someone would randomly shout like really rubbish stuff at me but I remember one time in school we we were just talking and whatever and I was just and someone asked me like do you feel like a bit Irish And I was just like, yeah, I guess so. Sometimes I can put on my Irish accent, you know, when needs be or and stuff like that. And she, and one girl turned around. She's like, girl, you're not Irish. Stop with all of that. But I was just like, what do you mean? But at the same time, I, it didn't offend me because I knew that I wasn't Irish. I'm not a citizen. I'm an immigrant at the end of the day. And I always, always had that like groundingness of like I'm South African I'm African or whatever but back to your point where you don't kind of feel like you belong somewhere because in December I went back to South Africa for a whole month and as I went there obviously they could tell that okay you've been you haven't been here for a (laughs) while and I would have kids come up to me just like girl where are you from you you can tell that you're not here you're not from here get out of here and it's the thing it's like it's like a really universal experience because Mm -hmm. I I was born in Ireland I've lived every single day of my life in this country the only time I've ever been to Nigeria was for 10 days when I was 10 right (laughs) and I had the exact same experience as you where I remember walking down the street and I'm bilingual so I can understand my mother tongue but they could tell I don't know how, because as far as I know, I'm black, but they could tell (laughs) that I wasn't born and raised in Nigeria. So I heard these kind of women kind of talking behind me saying, oh my God, look at that girl. She's not from here. And I was like, how do they know? If you're in Ireland, they know you're not from here. If you're in Nigeria, they know you're not from here. Where do we go? It was weird because I, I had the same, the same exact experience where I was walking and obviously I was talking to a white South African and Afrikaans yeah. person. So we were talking and I was like, hi, how are you? And she's like, oh, you're not from here or whatever. So 
throughout like my English accent, they were like, okay, she's not from here. And the ladies behind me, they were like, oh my gosh, she's not from here. Ew, yes, Chela, like you're so all about yourself. So I turn around, I'm like, hey guys, in Zulu, I'm like, hey, San Bonani Ninja, and he like, <laughs> and they were so mortified. They're like, how do you, like, wow, I'm like, let's, let's stop all of that. But at the same time, when I was there during my visit, I realized how Irish I am in a sense. Like random, I remember one time we went out with my cousins. We went to go have a good time, we went to go drink. So we come back and all I could think about was a four in one. Like all I could think about were chicken balls and curry. And I was just like, you see, if I was home, I would just call up kitchen legend and be like, can I get a four in one ASAP? But there was like, all of the places were locked off and all I could think about, and I was crying in my drunken state, like, to my cousins, like, we need to get chicken balls. Like, we need some curry. What is this? What do you mean I should have, like, fried, like, I should have chicken and stew? Like, no, that's not hungover food. And she looked at me like I was crazy. The next morning, she was like, girl, what were you on? What is a chicken ball? I was like... We have to make chicken balls. We failed really, really bad. bad. <laughs> it was just terrible. And also, another thing about like establishing how I, I, I'm Irish, basically, is like drinking patterns. I remember we went to go buy alcohol, and they were like, "Yeah, we'll get ciders. We'll get like wine." I'm like, "No, we get vodka. We get this. We get like heavy spirits." <laughs> because when you're here, you're just like, "Oh yeah, I'll have a vodka and coke." Over there, it's not as popular and stuff like that. So I was just like, "I'm more Irish than I thought." It's one of those things where there's so many similarities and yet so many differences. It's just hard to place yourself. Like there's some kind of fundamental experiences that I would say are very kind of quintessentially Irish and Irish. And one of those is Christmas. And I remember every single year when the late, late toy show would come around, people would be so excited. Oh, I can't wait to go home and watch the toy show. It's going to be great. Da, da, da. Meanwhile, I've never seen the toy show a day in my life. But because you're trying so hard to maintain this image of I'm just like the rest of you guys and you're like oh yeah I saw the new Xbox like da, da, da. like all talking about all these things that you really aren't not aren't really your lived experience and I think it creates this kind of weird ability where when you're black and you're Irish you have this ability to switch between two mm. different personalities so quickly and so well and that's kind of not normal I don't think it's should be something that's just so acceptable that we're feel the need to assimilate into one space that you change your entire personality and then just, just switch it back at the drop of a hat for a different audience like that's weird to me 100 it's like i also saw this tweet where it's like as a black girl like with your hairstyles like you know which hairstyles in a different setting and i can definitely say that i'm treated different differently like if i had my natural hair which like is straight it's more like appropriate like i'm definitely treated especially I think by Irish people, I'm definitely treated a lot differently. Whereas if I would have like braids, cornrows, like things are very like urban, very, I suppose, unapologetically black. I can definitely say that my treatment and I definitely catch myself because I did started working in a specific area, which I know is like very predominantly white. And I was like worried. I was like, I wonder if I'm going to be accepted if I have my cornrows. And it like put me in such a stress. And I was thinking to myself, I actually shouldn't feel like this and I actually shouldn't have to you know, feel like I have to do the switch, as you're saying, that, like, you know, with, like, 
you know, my black side or with my, you know, quote unquote Irish side, I should be kind of able to just be myself, be black and Irish it's without so, having two sides. Yeah. Like we, we know the term like code switching. It's yeah. something we do all, <laughs> all the, the, the time. time. And it's weird that it's not just your speech that changes or how you say something in a particular way or how it's like physically affects how you physically present yourself I remember my mom and I was telling her that oh my gosh I got like interviews coming up for um internships so very predominantly white type of vibe and she was just like okay you have your braids in let's start let's let's not do the natural hair let's put on a Mm. wig let's let's present yourself in a manner where you're palatable to white people and how they and how they view and be more approachable, like be more approachable in that sense where deem down who you are so you could be more palatable. And at that time, you're just like, okay, fine. A lot of people go through that, but at the same time, what are, what are they gonna do when my real self comes out? Like when I'm at, at work, I'm like purr, big purr, like yeah. I agree with that. And, like, that's the thing. It's not like code switching is some, like, experience that's universal to us because everyone does it. Like, the way you talk to your manager at work is not the same way that you talk to your friends in in the pub. It's not the same way that you talk to your granny. Like, you have different... I don't want to say personalities, but, you know, just different ways of behaving with different groups. But imagine how exhausting that would be if it's every single day of your life from day one to the last day. And, you know, it's funny what you said about, like, feeling accepted, Benita, because obviously now we do have this new term, black and Irish, and it's kind of like, oh, like, shouldn't that solve all the problems? Shouldn't that fix everything? Because now we have something that's just for us. But like I said, it was born out of a place of, like, a lot of trauma and a lot of agony. So it's like, do we have to just readily be acceptable, be happy to just say, like, oh, yeah, we're fine with this now. Ireland sees us as who we are we're just as Irish as anyone else when we know that the internal feeling doesn't replicate the media frenzy like but how do you guys actually feel about the term where if someone was to come up to you and refer to you as like oh you're black and you're Irish like how do you feel do you feel like you're there's somewhat like glossing over your blackness or is it you finally accepting that okay I am Irish, basically, or am I I'm just a nuance? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty new, you know, that type of thing. Um, I would, do you know? I would say that I think I've just kind of um, accepted it as my identity because I would identify someone that is Irish and is black. I actually had a very interesting conversation with one of my friends who's actually, who actually would be the term black and Irish is half Irish and half African, and I feel like the issue that they always had like growing up is that they're more connected with the Irish side. They've grown up with the Irish side. They are Irish. But because of the way that they look, no one has ever necessarily taken them seriously. You know, always get the old people like, how you're adjusting to the weather or like, how long have you been here for? Or, like, where are you really from? Where are you really from? Are you but really, it's like, your English is so good. Like, I've never been to, do you get me? But it's like, I've never been to Africa. Like, I've never, and it's not like to deny your African side, but it's like, I genuinely don't know. You probably know more than I do, you know? So it's like, when I look at that, like, they're, it's difficult. <laughs> yeah. How are you, Deborah? I know that side eye. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
I don't know. You can probably already tell from the vibe that I'm giving off that the whole thing kind of makes me cringe. Yeah. Because I'm just, it's like when you fought so hard for something your whole life, you fought to be accepted yes. and you you fought to be just like everybody else. And like, all, if all you face is constant rejection or constant this, like after a certain point, you put up your hands and you say, I simply don't care anymore. And that's kind of where I am. And it's weird because I know with the census oh that census I yes. feel like it's all everyone's talking about for the last couple <laughs> the of weeks like, like every time I see that ugly green form like and I'm just like oh I, can't be, I really can't be bothered but I know people were talking about like the the classifications mm. so there was one that was like African and Irish and da, 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 da. like it really had it broken down but there was no black Irish option and it's like huh like this same term that's been pushed down our throats for the last mm. two years isn't even on the census so Personally, it's just something that I'm not that connected to. Like, I think f- trying to figure out identity is probably one of the hardest things you'll ever do. And I think the media plays a part in that as well. Like, something that comes to mind is that, like, you know, like, I was talking to my dad about it, is that, like, you're Irish when you're doing a good thing, but you're of African origin or, like, someone that's been living of African origin when it's something that's not so pleasant within the media. And I think that's kind of dangerous. That language is, that's that's from the media it's really really bad like when you think of something like you know like the english football players it's like had they won the world cup or they're english but if you think about all the races they didn't win you know the world cup and all the races abused are now you know african they're now black they're not they're not english anymore and i think that happens so often and you know it's something that like you know growing up that my dad is just always kind of i suppose ingrained and i think it's something it could be seen as something destructive but i think it's a way of to protect me so that i kind of know that you know, yes, you are Irish, but, you know, not to forget your roots at the same time because, you know, you can be accepted on, you know, basis that suits other people, you know. Well, isn't that just tiring, like, constantly thinking how you're going to be perceived, especially with the media thing? Let's mm. say you blow up and it's just like three... I, I remember one time in the Irish time, so there's this girl from Jara and three other girls, they, they did something to do with science, innovative mm. or whatever... And obviously, there were like three Irish girls are going to some world stage yeah. to pre- present them. And then I was going through the Twitter thread. They're like, Irish? They're Nigerian. Yeah. Like, they're not even from here. Their parents, they probably came here for papers. Yeah. Like, I remember like one disgusting like comment was just like, they were probably given birth to just because they could get yeah. like citizenship or whatever. And then that leads to that that's that like citizen like referendum from 2005 and all that yeah child mm, we're not gonna we're not gonna spill the tea into that but honestly like i think that referendum is definitely like i don't think people even are aware that oh, the referendum happened very, or maybe like it's bad. our generation that's not aware but now even if you're born in ireland as an irish baby if your parents aren't irish citizens then you're not a citizen so where does that leave you because like even when i think my sister's name is like roisin she's born in ireland but like at the same time it's like i remember when me and my dad had to apply for citizenship my dad had to pay one thousand whatever to pay for her but it's like she's irish you know citizenship is a joke <laughs> right now like no but my mom has to apply for citizenship and obviously she has to go through all, all the, the paperwork paper, yeah. like it honestly gives her anxiety like Mm -hmm. i've never seen that woman flinch in my life right (laughs) but when it comes to forms 
when it comes to forms, she's like, Joel, I want nothing to do with it. I don't. I remember at the age of 16, I had to do like her P60. I had to do her taxes, basically, some type of tax form because she's like, I don't even want to look at this. It just, it's, it's like, it's so much anxiety. I remember she applied in 2018, but she got refused. And that's like 175 years down, down the drain. Yeah. And imagine like, if you had a part-time job and you're trying to scrape enough money to actually send in the application and for that money not to come back. And once you get granted citizenship, you literally have to put a down payment of 900 euro. Yeah. Oh, and then when you no. do get the citizenship itself, because my mom went through the whole same process of trying to get citizenship for years, da 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 and when she was finally granted after hundreds and hundreds and legal fees and going to the commissioner mm. of oaths, they really do not make it easy. At considering all. this is the land of a thousand welcomes or whatever. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so we were in the convention center having the like swearing in thing where you officially become <laughs> Irish. And I honestly really thought I was in like the handmaid's tale or something. It was so <laughs> weird because no, they, it make, you, a bit they like make you cultish. put up your right hand like this and they make you say, um, you know, we all come from different places and now we're here and we denounce our home countries and we're now proud to be Irish with your hand in the air swearing <laughs> allegiance to the state. Like I don't know how that's something that's okay. Like I just remember feeling like this is definitely dystopia. Like all this for a red passport? Yeah. Like uh, no, like you the, spelled the T there, Deborah. You spelled the T. Like the thought of it. Like even now, I have to apply for citizenship, and I'm just like, okay, fine. And like people don't realize like the intricacies of like mm. of it. At one point, I I was applying, and they were like, oh, you can't apply. You have to be a resident of the country a, a whole year before application. I was like, what sense does that make? Let's add it up. And it took to a point where we had to go to a solicitor's office. Solicitors, they like money. I have to pay they 60 like money. We study law. We know just this. Just to get a simple answer. Like, even if you Google it, they're like, this, but this, but no. And, like, the inner law student in me was very depressed. I was just like, why can I not find the answer? I'm legit trained to look for answers in research. Until I got there and they were like, yeah, you were right all along. I was just like, why is there not a clear pathway into giving this information especially like imagine if you're an immigrant English is not your first language you have to go through these forms alone you don't have that amount of money at the same time it's just so discouraging so much and I'm just like "Mm." well that's your answer Joelle like the reason that the system is created the way it is is to discourage people I mean look at direct provision like you can't look at the system of direct provision and say that this is a system that's supposed to welcome people and make them feel whole like it's literally created to dehumanize it's it's a form of the same institutions that Ireland has had a long 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 history with and it's just continuing in the same way like I don't see how you could look at a direct provision center and say that it's any different from a a, a mother and baby home or a reform school like they're cut from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. 100%. It was like, ooh, talking about that is just so mind-boggling. Bog- and at the same time, it, it's difficult to translate these things because we're so close to the issue. Yeah, and it when you're, home. you are giving the chance to like talk about your experiences and stuff, it's more like we're going to exploit your trauma so we can be more palatable and see yeah. without we're woke and like pushing all these like narratives and just like once again, you're just glossing over the issue and stuff like that. And that's why when like I get invited to talk about like when I'm part of 
like we're doing this diverse diversity inclusion what we'd like for you to come on why it's always negative i think we spoke about it in one of our episodes where it's like every single time that you know you're asked to talk about race i just know it's about black trauma and it's difficult because like why can i just talk about being happy maybe today i'm feeling happy <laughs> not everything is about slavery or about like you know like immigration whatever poverty stuff like that it's I just think that a lot of people just like or like another thing that's very frustrating is that people expect you to have all the answers to black issues and black traumas or african issues I'm not even like I'm not even Nigerian you know like I'm not even close I don't even I'm not even from close Nigeria but they just just expect you or like a lot of old people like oh like what do you think about this president or like what's going on there I'm just like I don't know I you tell, tell me. you I you tell could me, not tell you And like that's the annoying thing and that's why I'm lowkey scared sometimes when I'm like they're like okay you can come come talk as a young black, black woman like and they expect you to have all these answers and they they're surprised when you just sit there like I I couldn't tell you I I don't know I go through my own struggles in that certain niche but it's not every day I'm just going to come and talk like yeah I was walking down the street and <laughs> then not- this happened like ugh, I'm not- so over it And like think about how deeply ingrained that is in us yes. where I feel like you really reach a point where you think yeah the only thing I have to offer in a predominantly white country is my blackness that's it like even think about when we were trying to think of what to discuss today we were like oh three black girls in a room full of white people what are we going to talk about let's educate them like, like well, how, gets- how are they going to relate what are we going to do <laughs> If we talk yeah. about anything else, it's kind of, it, it feels like the elephant in the room. Like if we got up here and talked about style or fashion, fashion. or cooking, it's kind of like, it's like, oh yeah, but we're black. Like we have to, we have to talk we have about to, that. We have to capitalize on our black experience right now. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Like sometimes I just want to go on to a show and like, yeah, I'm going to talk about fashion. So what's in right now? Flare jeans. And then it's going to be urban fashion. Yes. Not just normal fashion. Urban, urban fashion. What are your thoughts fashion. on hip hop or... Do you like rap music? Yeah, I do, but not like, just because I'm black. <laughs> Who's your favorite rapper? You only listen to rap I'm a big fan of Eminem. It's always yes. Eminem. Yes. It's always Eminem. <laughs> Are we surprised? <laughs> like, I think for all three of us, like, these conversations, like, they come from a place of frustration, mm. but they also come from a place of hope that it yeah. won't always be like this. I think it starts young as well, like, Do you know like of the choker boxes that we had to do? I think that like ingrained a lot of things, you know, and and I feel like it put a lot of pressure on me growing up because I feel like the image that they had of Africa, of black people, I think it starts from young, you know, going home, you know, collecting money for, you know, all the poor kids in Africa. I think that's something, but I feel like that's something that's done, you know, nationwide during schools. And I feel like it's we're not really taught properly, you know, if that makes any sense. And I feel like that kind of like manifests itself like you know as we grow up and the things that just kind of how we're treated especially as you know black and irish people i don't know if that makes any sense to you guys but definitely for me like, definitely start off of i understand that because at one point it's really annoying when when you constantly see black people in a certain light it's yes. either they're doing bad stuff african yada 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 yeah. and if they're doing good stuff and when they are doing good stuff it's just like oh, they're going to be talking about their trauma and stuff yes. like that. And you internalize that. So every time you have a platform or you're given a chance to speak, you're just like, okay, I have to stand for the people. Yeah. I have to stand for 
the people. It's just like, why can I not stand for myself and my individualistic self? You're being grouped into this one, like, like category, which is highly diverse and what we can bring to the table and who we are and what, like, what finesse you can bring. And it's so, it's, it's genuinely just so annoying. Even now I'm like, oh, we're going down this hole that we already discussed where we really didn't want to talk about our blackness and really like delve into it at the same time it is it's necessary because we don't know who's listening you don't know who's gonna get like something from this but it's not an everyday thing so best believe when we come back we're not going to talk about about this this again (laughs) (laughs) wait why is everyone cheering that we're we're saying we're not going to talk about race anymore (laughs) are you guys getting tired of it like what are you guys over it? <laughs> like, like we are? Um, yeah, but I think what you're saying is definitely so true. And in the last like year, maybe two years, I've definitely taken that stance of like, Me too. when I have normal conversations, when I have normal interactions with people, I'm taking off my activist hat. Me too. Like, it off. I'm not your mule. It's not my job to educate you. I'm just me. I'm not representing the black community. I'm just representing Deborah. And I always recommend people the book, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. I always tell people, go read that if you have any questions and like do the work yourself, right? Because exactly, YouTube is free. And I feel like one thing that I said, you know, earlier is like, ever since, like, you always feel like sometimes when you go to places that like, I always have to be on the very best behavior because I feel like I'm representing all black people. But it's like, that's, I don't think any white person ever has to go, oh, I'm representing all white people, but I've always felt that, you know, that like, oh my gosh, and like, you know, if they have a bad experience with me, like, they're going to think all black people like this. And I know that sounds crazy saying it out loud, but it's, but it's genuinely true. something that so many people just genuinely feel because like you put under so much pressure and especially like I've been majority of my life, you know, you are the only black person in the room or, and I expect that, you know, and I'm, I've, I'm comfortable, but you know, I'm used to it. No, but that's scary being the only black person in the room. I remember in first year, like my first day, I was already traumatized by the length of the skirt. Yeah. So I'm walking in. I'm walking in with the skirt up to my ankles, like in a jumper, in a jacket. I'm scrolling in. And then in my form class, I'm legit the only black person. And it's weird because when I was in South Africa, you would hear these things about like overseas like yeah. people asking is africa a continent but is africa a country or whatever those dumb things and they were surprised to learn that in south africa i lived a very normal life i went to private school i can speak english and i forgot where i was going with this I totally <laughs> does that a lot she starts <laughs> and then there's no end <laughs> i'm just like one thing leads to <laughs> bringing it back being the only black person in the room and then back to that so I walked in I was the only person there and it was terrifying to to an extent where like as a child I was never reserved like I was always outside we can tell (laughs) we can tell whatever (laughs) I was I was out and about but the first like I feel like that's the first time I really felt anxious and what anxiety is and all of that and how let's say this relates onto once again, big corporate firms or um, like brands that want to be more diverse. Diverse doesn't mean bringing just one person of color. Mm. Diverse means people of color, people part of the LGBTQ, like loads of 
different types and it's like it's a vast it's a vast category that you must fulfill and if you're down for it you have to show it and it it stems into like allyship and when people claim to be allies 100% because a lot of brands they do a lot of like tokenism like we're like diverse we have our one black model or like it's just the same as someone saying I'm not racist you know I have a black friend you know but like a lot of brands do that they're not actually educated on specific topics that they talk about they're not and it's like you have like a whole team of board of like what 15 20 people surely one person a couple of you could do some adequate research find suitable people to talk about suitable topics because there's going to be some topics myself that I won't put myself forward because I'm not educated it's not my place but we have people you know who are not educated on the topic trying to tell you you know how to act how it's just inappropriate majority of the times I think diversity and inclusion might have been like the worst thing to ever happen to advertising. Yes. Because it's Honestly. just no. so constant. Like it's coming up to June now, Pride Month. So oh. I'm preparing myself to be bombarded by rainbow. And I'm not homophobic, by the way, I'm gay. But like I'm just preparing myself to be bombarded by rainbow flags yeah, everywhere. Man. And we support the LGBT community. But then for the other 11 months in the year, where is the action? Nothing. Black I mean, history we've movies. had a tragedy in the LGBT community mm. over the last couple of weeks. And yeah. I'm sorry to, yeah. you know, bring it up and bring the mood down. And, you know, rest in peace to the Never two men who, who, who lost their lives. But I think it's just this constant pandering to marginalized communities. And it's the exact same as how it happens in the black community. For one month of the year, we care about you. Yeah. Your voice matters. You're important. And then for the other 11, you're done. Like, yeah. you don't even exist. You're- it's just like, we have one black person here. What else do you want from yes, us? Yes, like, we do our else? best. Like, I'm almost scared sometimes because I know a lot of companies, like, with the whole diversity and inclusion, like, sometimes I am scared to tick, you know, the black and then the Irish because I'm like, maybe they won't Prefer pick me. Prefer not to say. But I like, I, do you know what I feel like? And I think I should do that, you know, cause sometimes, yeah, and I feel like something that I've noticed as well, even with jobs, like, um, sometimes that I've realized that, like, one thing that I did is I applied to the same job twice, but I use my... Irish surname instead of my African surname and I actually got the job using the Irish surname with the same qualifications and this is something that is known like I have a friend who's I think her great-grandmother is like Polish or something but she's Irish just she's just taking like her great-grandma and she says she's finding it so difficult to get a job that like her parents like you know you need to remove that surname just put your Irish surname just to help you and that's something that's not talked about it's something that's so common that like i literally have two separate cvs just to help me and they're usually so shocked when i come and like oh that's you i didn't expect you to look like that they're I, usually so shocked to be honest i love that i, I love have that to do look. that like because <laughs> i remember um our friend from college she has a very like white presenting name and she was saying that oh yeah when she went to her interview they were shocked they were like oh She's black. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> and it, it's it's weird that you have to lie to to the point where you have to change your name so for someone to take an interview with you. It's like these things. Okay, fine. You we can talk about diversity. We can talk about racism. But sometimes we have to really see how multi layered it is, and we have to strip 100%. away all those layers and not just talk about okay, like really like the physical aspect, like really the heart-wrenching things based on like race and stuff. We have to talk about us code switching all the time, changing your appearance, changing your name, changing how you present, like changing your whole self to assimilate to something you are fundamentally not. Yeah. I, I am not white. I'll I, never be. 
I think people also expect a whole lot of grace, you know, like when it comes to on learning their biases or learning about race, people really want to be coddled they and they want to they hold their hands and walk them through the process and say, this is why calling someone this is bad or this is why your views on this are wrong. But like, why should you have to be coddled when you're doing something wrong? Like people, I think, are should be aware enough in this day and age to know the difference between right and wrong. So if you're still perpetrating racist actions and you're still holding on to these biases that you have, it's not up to anyone to give you grace. And that's where I'm at now where I'm like, no grace, none. Like zero patience, zero tolerance, one racist comment and you're out. You're done. As much as I love to say that's how I conduct my life, I promise you now, if that was really the same in theory as it was in practice i would have zero friends yes not as i wouldn't i wouldn't have a single friend and she's not i wouldn't lying. have a job i wouldn't have a, a, a circle of people i could turn to there would be no one in my life if i turned around and said as soon as one one misstep and you're out like one thing that when come that comes to mind is i used to work in a cafe and these black people came in and obviously like they spoke a different language my manager just brings me like she just pulls me forward and goes can you talk to them for me and Are you serious? <laughs> like, they, like, and they spoke French, by the way. I don't speak French, but it's just like, I just couldn't even believe that, like, sh- I was just so shocked that she even thought, like, what do you mean? Like, like I just couldn't believe it. I was just shocked, but it's, it's not the first time that it's happened. And she expected, she's like, um, like, she thought she did something amazing, like, she was making it easier for them, but it's like, no, that's incredibly, like, biased. It's incredibly wrong, you know, to make that assumption that because they're back, I, you know, do you get them? Like, now we have to wrap it up because Tony's like, wrap it up at the corner, <laughs> <laughs> corner of my eye. <laughs> we would love to talk about more, but <laughs> it's, it's, let's just ignore Tony. Let's just keep going. We're going to continue a great time. Just <laughs> but anyway, as we said at the beginning, this is our first and last time us talking about diversity, inclusion, Diversi- racism. We're done. It's not our first or last time. We're going to do We're it. Gonna We're going to come back. We're going to do it again. There's probably like points we didn't even hit, but at the end of the day, hopefully you guys enjoyed listening, listening to us like rant. Thank this you. is what we do all the time. But yeah, that's it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you.